Do you like talking about things you're not qualified to talk about? Us too. The Dumb Nerds Podcast, a show where comedians talk about smart topics they're too dumb for. Every week, your host, that's me, Cassie Jerkins, invites a new funny guest on to get down and nerdy. Laugh and learn about topics like how to buy a house, the Terminator movies, and the Titanic. Check out Dumb Nerds today on your favorite podcast app. Hey, everyone. It's the Improv Obsession podcast in your ears right now, and I am your host, Stephen Perlstein. Hey, welcome to 2012. It's going to be a great year, and I am so glad that I get to share this awesome episode with you. A few quick things first. Don't fast forward through this because I swear I have a sweet offer for improv students in just a few seconds, so hold on. Uh, but first, would you please rate and subscribe in iTunes? I'd really appreciate the feedback, uh, and I'd like to know that people are listening. And I've got this little gem from Jonathan Harchick. It says, quote, here's an average sentence from the host. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, like, um, uh, you know, like, um, yeah. Learn to talk before you try and host a show. Hey, thanks for the feedback, Jonathan. And, um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Also, you can find uh, the Improv Obsession podcast on Facebook, just like Christopher Corbin did when he posted saying, love your podcast, and he put four exclamation points on that. Christopher, thank you for listening. You are the best. I really appreciate your support. And I say that with four exclamation points on it. Also, I realize not everybody knows the URL for this podcast and the show. You go to improvobsession.com. You can find podcast episodes. You can find an episode guy. You can find little articles I write up. Uh, and you can also find links to Facebook and iTunes and all this good junk. Now for the offer. This is a great episode with Colton Dunn from Boom Chicago and Rough Cut and a bunch of other stuff. Colton puts on this Herald Clinic and he's offering Improv Obsession listeners the chance to sit in on one of the classes for free. For free! Are you kidding me? That's amazing. If you go to his website, coltondunn.com, that's C-O-L-T-O-N-D-U-N-N.com, and you email him and you mention that you heard about the workshop through the podcast, you can sit in on a class for free. Guys, a free sit-in. That's amazing. Colton's one of the best teachers in LA by far, uh, and you'll definitely learn something if you take his class. Uh, also, just take his class. It's probably one of the best deals you'll find on Improv in LA. When I was coached by, coached by Colton, I learned a lot. He calls you out on bullshit, and he pushes you to be better, and he just hones you as an improviser. Um, so here it is. Here's the podcast with Colton Dunn, your first episode of 2012. Let's get excited. Woohoo! Stuff. Do, do you have any questions or concerns or? No. How, before? Long, how long do we go for? Uh, it's about an hour. Okay. Is that that all right? Yeah, that's cool. Okay. Um, in fact, actually, I'm gonna move this back. It's like, uh... Yeah. Okay, great. Okay. Ready? <coughs> We're gonna do it. I'm excited. Cool. Man. <laughs> stuff to talk about in the world. Yep, here we go. <laughs> Alright, hey everybody, welcome to the Improv Obsession Podcast. I am your host, Stephen Perlstein, and today I'm here uh, at your place uh, with Colton Dunn. Hello. Hey, how's it going? Good, man. So great. Uh, this is the first time I've recorded not in my apartment. Oh, so okay. I'm just like, I'm very much like, okay, do I got everything right? And like... This isn't Am my I bed. Am I coming in clear? Yeah, you're great. You, oh, great. you sound great. 
Beautiful. Everything's perfect, I guess. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I guess usually I just kind of start this with like, uh, uh, like what kind of were your like early comedy loves and interests and oh, okay. any of that. Uh, well, I got into doing comedy from uh, going to comedy sports in the Twin Cities. Comedy sports is a uh, is a short form show right. that is uh, sort of a competition where you have two different teams of improvisers um, that do different short form games for points. That that's how that's how you that's where you started. You're, uh, that's the first thing that I watched that I liked. Really. Okay. And they had a high school league. Oh, okay. That came to my school, and so I auditioned to get on the team, and uh, and I had to quit my basketball team in order to do the comedy sports <laughs> high school league team. Okay. Uh, and the comedy sports high school league team was me, uh, about four other students uh, from school, and Nick Swartzen. And Nick Swartzen, really? Yeah, it was. A, That's it was funny. A so, and Nick Nick Swartzen was on your comedy sports high school. Yeah, we started. Yeah, we started high school league together, um, and that was kind of my first jaunt into comedy. Before that, I had done like plays and stuff as sure. a kid, um, but uh, with with improv, it was something that just really spoke to me because uh, I was really imaginative and had a lot of energy when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, and so I started doing that, and then right after high school, I was able to do shows in the city uh, and make some money doing it, and uh, that was kind of it. I just wanted to do. You were making money doing improv, like, right after high school? Not a lot of money. Well, yeah, but... (coughs) But it was, uh, you know... But it, you know, it was, was, uh, you know, a little bit of money for each show, but it was still more than I thought possible to just make stuff up. Wow, that's really cool. Um, And so so then after, I guess, after uh, high school, uh, did you go UCB New York? I did. In 1997, I moved out to New York. And that's, like, before uh, they were in their... Their current theater. They right? were, uh, are like, I, I don't know. Yeah. They didn't have a theater then. They oh, were, they uh, they, I saw the UCB do a, sh- a sketch show in the Red Room, which was a, a, a room above the KGB bar, uh, which was sort of this bar in New York that had a bunch of sort of, you know, uh, communist Russian propaganda in it. And uh, then they had a little theater upstairs, and I saw that show. And that was kind of it, you know. I had not, um, up until then, I had seen comedy sports and I had seen stand-up comedy. Um, and so then when I saw this sketch show, you know, I'd seen these sketch show like Kids in the Hall and stuff on TV, but to see a sketch show and it was so funny and it was like, you know, just about like like there was a, you know, I think one of the biggest my things I remember was that Amy Poehler had a boot knife. Yeah, and I remember I just for years, I thought that was just so awesome that she had a boot knife and yeah. she could pull a knife out of her boot. And it, you know, uh, and then I saw their improv show, and again, you know, just doing comedy sports with a short form show, so your scenes are all like maybe three minutes long. Yeah. To see them sort of improvise off one suggestion, you know, forever, uh, you know, before I kind of knew sort of the inner workings of, you know, the of gameplay and you know, sort of the process that people are going for, it was just amazing, and uh, and uh, and I was hooked, and so I, I moved out. I permanently moved out to New York the next year. Uh, the theater opened up pretty soon after that. I started interning at the theater. That's how I uh, paid for my classes at UCB. Yeah. Uh, and I interned and worked in the box office. Uh, and uh, yeah, that was uh, that's how I got into it. That's really cool. 
Uh, so, wow. And like, that's, I mean, yeah, you're there at the very early, early stages of UCB. Like, mm-hmm. uh, and there are a lot of, uh, <coughs> I feel like a lot of like notable, like improvisers and stuff. Was it, were there people that you, I guess, remember or think that like, or who were with you at that time? In like interning or classes or you mean people who are still around like yeah, that yeah, you people. that you might know yeah people who are around. uh sure well my first herald team was a group called pound and uh that team was a guy named Ari Bakitis who still teaches in uh in New York uh Seth Morris sure. who uh works with Funny or Die uh John Bowie and Jamie Dembo uh who uh are now married and have uh have children and stuff together. Uh, Dynamo. Oh, yeah. Who uh, is uh, an awesome improviser from New York, and uh, she uh, also does a lot of design, stuff like that. Very, very funny. Uh, let's see who else was on there. Oh, uh, Rob Cordry. Sure. Um, was on Pound. Uh, let's see. Am I forgetting? I got Ari, Rob... Uh, what was it all the ba- yeah I think Brian Husky also it was all the naked babies all the naked okay. babies were on pound and then so that's Brian Husky Rob Cortry John Bowie Seth Morris and then Dynamo uh, Jamie Dembo Ari Vakitis and me and uh, and I had filled the spot that uh, Will Burson left when he moved out here oh, okay yeah because um, he had moved out a year before before that or two two years or something so. Uh, you, you got involved with this thing and obviously you had, um, I mean, I assume you had like a, an admiration for like what they were doing. Like it's, it's kind of cool, right? Oh, totally. Yeah, man. But like when you were, when you were there again at the, like one of the, it was like a, like one of the first Herald teams. Is that true or pretty? pretty Pound? Uh, am I I way off on that? I, I tried. Yeah. Well, cause the thing was, is I was also very poor. So even though their theater opened right away, I couldn't take classes right away because I needed to get an internship and to get in at that time, they didn't really do as many internships. It wasn't it wasn't like a huge program like it is now. You know, there wasn't they didn't need a lot of interns. Um, and so what I did in New York is I actually worked at another theater called Chicago City Chicago Limits, City Limits. Yeah, yeah. and uh, I got a job there in their touring company. And at the touring company, I got to work with some of the people who are already doing stuff at UCB. People like Paul Shear, uh, Sean Conroy. And so, uh, you know, by sort of being around and because I, I was already in the city sort of before the theater opened up, I, people already sort of knew me as somebody who wanted to improvise. And so I was able to eventually get my internship, get through the classes and, uh, you know, and then I auditioned right away to get on to get on to pound, um, right out of it. Yeah. Uh, and so, uh, yeah, it was, um. You know, I don't think Pound was the one of the first. It was an earlier Herald team, but it, I don't think it was like one of the first rounds. It might have been, but I wasn't on that group. Yeah. Okay. So, uh, so you're on an early Herald team, and I mean, uh, what I mean, what I guess I'm just curious. What like what was your sense of it being in there? Did you feel like uh, like UCB theater is going to be a big deal? It's going to go out to the West Coast eventually. Did you? I mean, I, mean, I, know, like, I know that's. I know that's no. a silly question, but does, did, it feel, did it feel more like this is just a quick up and down thing? It's going to be done in two I mean, I'm just yeah, that's a, you know, that's an interesting thing to think about. What did it feel like? What did I think the theater was going to be back then? You know, I didn't know. It was all just new. I don't think anybody really knew, like, if it was going to blow up or if it was going to fail. Um, it was just kind of the place to be. 
in New York at the time, if you were doing comedy and you were doing improv, you know, it was like, oh, well, are you working with UCB or are you, you know, just sort of doing something? And not that any of the other stuff was bad, but it was just like there was a, a real scene building up there. Uh, you know, and I would have, and, and you know, maybe there were other people at the time who could foresee the theater coming out to Los Angeles, but at that at that time, and maybe this is just from my point of view, I definitely know it was my point of view at the time. It is not now, but uh, was that you know you couldn't do you couldn't do it in L.A. That it was you know that it wasn't too candy coated. That it was too raw. I'm sorry, improv in L.A. Did, could, the, well, at least like UCB, UCB you know the okay. UCB style and. You know, just even, you know, that is at that time, uh, I mean, I'd have to think, uh, I think IO maybe might have just gotten out to Los Angeles. You know, there's not a lot of long form out here. Yeah. And long form improv isn't like the most conducive thing to like bring an agent to if you're trying to get an agent or a manager or, you know, you want to get cast in something. You know, it's sort of not a great barometer for that, or at least not yet. You know, people just don't really know how to. Uh, eat it up and I think at that time it seemed so underground and so like new and different that it needed to be in New York and that it, the idea that oh maybe we'll open a theater in LA that would at that time would have been like oh wow we're gonna sell out and open a theater in LA sure. you know like <laughs> this is New York uh, but then again that was I was you know, 20 23 years old yeah. so okay well that's fair I, I actually kind of breeze past this so when you were doing the comedy sports thing did you uh, and you, you go out after high school? Did you sort of think like right away uh, this is going to be a professional pursuit of mine? Oh yeah, so, like this was like date like it, it was not a question. Just in yeah, uh, my junior year in high school that that was it. I was I was going to do comedy. I was going to make money doing it. Figure out a way to do that. I had no idea how to do it. You know, I worked as a projectionist. Um, but I didn't have, I didn't plan for any other skills. You know, I, I enrolled in college. I was, I went for about two weeks and then I dropped out. Uh, you know, I knew that I, you know, that this is what I want to do, you know, even still, you know, now yeah, it's still what I, it's all I want to do. Yeah. That's great. Did you, I mean, did you have a sense of, uh, you, your fun? Like, did you, did you have a strong confidence in it? Did you think you were funny? Did you think like, I think I, this is clearly going to work. I'm Colton Dunn. I'm fucking hilarious. Like, was, that, was that your thought, Ross? I did that without 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 talking about myself in the first person. Okay, well, that's uh, Yes, you, you know, I, uh, yeah, I'm a confident person, and uh, you know, I feel confident enough to go. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty fun. I'm a funny guy. Um, I think that there was probably a little less confidence in sort of you know when you think about the entertainment business, like. I was confident I could do go get up and do a show, you yeah. know, on stage in front of people, and it would be fun. I wouldn't be thrown out. But that's different than being like, and I'm gonna, you know, work in television or do movies or, you know, there's a different set of confidence that you know is is a little bit that you have to work a little harder for to build that one up, yeah. you know, because with with theater, you know, uh, and I'm sure. You know, everybody who kind of does it, it's like you get that boost of confidence the first time people cheer, you know, at something you did or laugh at something that you did. Yeah. Um, and so that part was always, that's the most validating thing, and it's the part that keeps me doing it, you know. I, I, I need to go out in front of a group of strangers and have them all think I'm great for some reason. Yeah. You know, it's, uh, I, I need that... Uh, I need that interaction. Okay, so uh, so you're doing, you're, you're doing uh, UCB New York... Uh, and then is there, 
Okay, so what happens after that? Because I know I, I know that you're UCBLA at one point, and I know you're Boom Chicago at one point. Oh, I see. Well, so, well, okay, so I started working with Pound in New York. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I was also touring with Chicago City Limits. Um, and Chico- I'm sorry, real quick, just to listeners mm-hmm. and myself, Chicago City Limits is a uh, short form, right? It's a short form show, uh, it, at least it was then, and what, what it is, is it's... it's um, you know, it's kind of like a, a little bit of a variety show. They have some sketches that they do, and they have a touring company, and they have a main stage show that's you know somewhat written, but then peppered with sort of short form uh, improv comedy. Sort of like maybe like Second City sort of. Definitely. Okay. Oh, very much like Second City. Okay. Uh, Chicago you know, City Limits sort of makes sense. Exactly. <laughs> um, so I was doing both of those shows, and one day I had heard from somebody that they were having an audition at UCB for this improv theater in Amsterdam. And I really didn't know anything about Amsterdam at all, except that you could smoke weed there. Um, (laughs) And so I was like, well, I guess I should audition for this, (laughs) this show. You know, it was, you know, it was that sort of like, this was at right after nine 11. Okay. Um, It was sort of in this to this place, sort of in my personal life, like, you know, uh, you know, as a young guy, then like there was a girl I really wanted to be dating, and and it wasn't happening, and so it was like this moment where you know the you know the twin towers had been destroyed. I you know I was being very you know dramatic in my personal life, and so uh, I auditioned for this show in Amsterdam. I, I booked it and I had to like agree, basically two days later, agree to do it. You know, and then have to call my mom and tell her I'm moving to Europe, uh, which was even further away from St. Paul, where I grew up, than right. New York. And that, um, and that's yeah. like a two year thing, isn't it? Mm-hmm. Is that yeah, so it was you, a two year, two year commitment. So, so to recap, real quick, you're like, I know Amsterdam, they allow weed. Uh, I'm gonna audition. Same, this is two all happening the later. same day. Yeah, yeah then two, two days, days later. later. Oh, I'm gonna go to Amsterdam for two years. I gotta call my mom and tell her. I gotta call my mom and tell her. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, that's, that's really cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, it I, was. I really, I think, I really think uh, Chicago, or, uh, Boom Chicago, is like such an interesting thing because the, the, everybody I know who's come out of it uh, is such like a fucking polished improviser and just uh, like presentationally, I, it's such a. I don't. I, I'm so. Uh, I have like a deep admiration for people who do it, and I just like I want to know like what the hell do they do there? Like what are they doing to you? No, it's uh, they don't do anything, but. The thing is, is that you live that show. Yeah. You know, you're out there in in Holland, you know, and in Amsterdam. Uh, the only thing you have to do, it's your whole job. And a lot of times for improvisers, you know, in, there's only a handful of jobs that are like that. You know, you can have something like Second City in Chicago. Even their touring company, the people who do the touring company in Second City still have real jobs. That right. They, you know, when they're not on tour. Uh, they have the boats. Uh, those pay pretty well. But for the most part, there is not really a full-time you know, improv sketch comedy live theater job yeah. where you, know, you can just make a, you know, you make a good living and that's all that you do. Um, there's not a lot of them in, 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 the, in the States. Uh, and so just in that sense, you know, you get, it becomes a work ethic to get better at what you're doing. Um, you're doing it every night. Uh, you're doing it in front of an audience that's from all parts of the world. And so even though they all speak English and understand English, they may not know who the gummy bears are. So you have to 
broaden your you know your reference base you know and, and really broaden your humor you can't just rely on just bringing up that funny thing that everybody in the room knows you really right. have to sort of go for you know sort of uh, naturally funny things uh, and the repetition of it you know and that's sort of the reason why you know I do the the, the workshop that I do uh, which is kind of uh, you know an intensive workshop or sort of the workshop that uh, Susie Barrett does which is called a uh, boot camp uh, you know, it's the theory that if you do it every day and, you know, you really find that repetition in it, you can't help but get better, mm-hmm. you know. But if you kind of sort of do it once a week and then you go to your job and then you're at your job for a while and then you leave, you know, it's not that you're not going to ever get good at it, but it's very easy to polish up quicker when you're doing it yeah. like we did it in Amsterdam. That's uh, that's really cool. And you got uh, I, I heard somewhere I believe that you do like five to thirteen shows a week. Is that about mm-hmm. right? So yeah, depending on the time of year, uh, you know, or whatever is going on, you could be doing, you know, the shows at the theater. But then we did lots of corporate shows where we'd travel somewhere else in Europe and do a show for like Volvo or some other yeah, oh, like European. Oh, that's company. really cool. Corporate gigs. And uh, I'm just curious, who else did you, who else was in uh, Boom at your, during your time? While I was at Boom, um, while I was at Boom, people who listen to this podcast may know these people. Um, Brendan Hunt, who does uh, improv at UCB and at uh, IO out here, uh, and also uh, does a lot of acting. Um, Jordan Peele, uh, who is on uh, the show uh, Key and Peele. Which uh, starts this month uh, that I also January wrote 31st. for on January thirty first. Uh, Nicole Parker, who uh, was on uh, Mad TV and did Broadway, did the Broadway show Wicked, and uh, is a very accomplished uh, act uh, actor and singer. Uh, let me think. While I was there, um, well, Susie Barrett, okay, Jim Woods, and Heather Campbell. They all kind of came sort of at the very right when before I was going to leave, so we overlapped for a few months. Um, but those are the people who were there while I was there. But the thing about doing something like Boom is that you know there are people who went there after I went there. I was never out there with them, but we're you know still now friends. Like Matt Jones, okay, is a guy who went out to do Boom Chicago. I was never out there with him, but we're still sort of alumni of the same club. You yeah, know? So, so I could see that like a. I mean, yeah, you're doing you're doing shows uh, five five plus nights a week, and it's. It's very much like, in a weird way, like war. Like you're bonded together. We all sure, you know, had of to course, you're in a foreign this. land. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's awesome. So, uh, so then, uh, then after Boom, uh, where what happens then? What happens after that? Uh, well, after Boom, I moved back to New York. Um, I uh, decided that I had to. I had to get back to this to the states, or uh, I would never make it in my career. <laughs> Sure. I probably could have stayed out in Amsterdam another year, but uh, decided to move back to New York. Um, and uh, yeah, I was there for a year. Um, in that year, I worked on a show called Bo- uh, Boiling Points for oh, MTV, yeah, MTV which was like a prank show. And uh, I was on a Herald team called My Kick-Ass Van, and then they changed their name to Gigawatt. Okay. Um, and uh, so that's I did that at the theater. I did a couple sketch shows at the theater in that year. Uh, and then basically after the end of that year, it was kind of one of those things where I had already lived in New York for about six, uh, about five and a half years before I left to go to Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. And so then when I went back, you know, things had changed since 9-11. 
I didn't really know everybody at the theater anymore. Uh, and I think I was just like kind of, you know, it was like I didn't go back to where it was before because you can never really do that. Yeah. And so I just kind of was like, let's let's give Los Angeles a shot, you know. Okay. That's really cool. Uh, and did you, I mean, did you have any like prospects? I mean, the theater, the theater was... I mean, was the, was the, was the L.A. theater must have been up then by then, right? Mm-mm. No? Okay. So I'm off. No, once again, I just took off on my own. You're just like, I'm um, out. <laughs> I'm out of here. Mom, I'm leaving again. Mom, I'm going to Los Angeles now. <laughs> uh, yeah, kind of, sort of. Uh, you know, there was, there was actually a pilot at the time, and this was like just the tiniest. So I didn't move out here for this. Sure. But it was, uh, you know, one of the reasons why it was, it was fun. Andy Secunda had written a pilot, and there was a part in it that he thought that I would be great for. And he's like, yeah, if you were in L.A., that would be great. And I was like, all right, I will be there. And so I moved to L.A., and, uh, you know, so right away I started auditioning for this this pilot, and uh, I ended up going into test for it, and I tested against Jaleel White. Okay. <laughs> he played Urkel on yeah. Family Matters. Uh, and then they didn't actually go with either me or Urkel. They ended up casting a white guy. Uh, and that show was called Love, Inc. It was on for a few seasons. Um, but, uh, so that was probably the only, like, real thing that I had going for me when I came out to Los Angeles. So after that kind of sort of fizzled out, I was just out here. I, uh, there was no UCB yet. They were talking about coming out, but had not gotten a space yet. Uh, and so I, I, I worked with uh, I.O. I went to, started hanging out at I.O., doing shows there, uh, trying to get my foot in the door. And, uh, and eventually I got put on a, a team uh, that was called Clark and Belmont at, uh, at I.O. So I guess uprooting and going to I.O. I mean, I feel like I.O. and UCB don't have a terribly different approach to improv. But did you find, and I guess especially after doing short form in Boom Chicago, like there's a lot... You have a, a wide range of experience, but uh, did you find it? Did you have any, like, uh, what are you guys doing here? This is different. I don't know how to... <laughs> um, yeah, you know, definitely. Um, because I had learned how to perform the Herald at UCB. And so I was always approaching it from, you know, very, very strong gameplay. Uh, even though, you know, I, obviously I did short form and stuff. You know, I think game sort of transcends any form, really, uh, and it's just a it's just a good way to do comedy that sort of gets you past just saying a silly thing or making a weird choice and not backing it up. And so, uh, you know, I was I was definitely a strong game player, and there were times where that was an issue. I think with uh, with the team at at IO, um, but uh, you know, only because only in the sense that not that anybody was mad or anything, or but it's just sort of causes for miscommunication. You know, if I'm trying to like maybe restart a game or say we, you know, in a scene, there's sort of a funny thing that kind of happens, and maybe I try to like bring that pattern back. You know, perhaps somebody who's not really focused on game is focused more on relationship may not be just even open to seeing that pattern come back. You know, right. they're kind of dealing with their character. And, the, you know, that's just a different approach to it. Yeah. That, that definitely happened. Uh, but for the most part, uh, you know, funny's funny. And uh, I had a great time at I.O. And uh, I love that theater yeah. um, uh, here and in Chicago. So, uh, 
No, I had a great time, and I was and I was and I was happy that they were here because uh, UCB was not here yet. So yeah, you know it was. Yeah. But I did I did IO and I did the um, at the time the Second City uh, Training Center was in the back of uh, the Improv. Oh really? Melrose. Wow. And so I would do their. Uh, they had a jam that I would go to. So okay. I'd go to IO and I'd go to the Second City Improv Jam. <laughs> That's cool. At some well, let's see. Where I jump to? Yeah. All right, so at some point, uh, you started writing on Mad TV, right? Oh, okay. Um, I don't sure. know when that was. <laughs> yeah. Um, have the right... Uh... Well, sure, yeah. Well, yeah, we can go there. Uh, we can talk about when UCB opened up out here. Was that was that way after UCB? Is that, am I a little off? It's not. UCB opened up out here okay. in uh, 2005. All right, so let's talk about that then. Uh, we'll, and then we'll go to So, <laughs> well, well, yeah, finally the theater uh, was going to open up, which yeah. was great. Uh, I was really excited, um, and, uh, you know, they found this great space that they're still in today, uh, and, uh, that was a really fun time out here, just because, you know, nobody really knew what was gonna happen with it, and I remember, uh, like, Besser and a couple of the guys were teaching, sort of, kind of, teaching classes and sort of teaching game to sort of the already, you know, improvisers who were already out here. Yeah. You know, just kind of like getting people on board. It was just a really fun, you know, I don't know. I'll, I'll, I fondly remember it because I was able to be in New York when they first opened and then be out here when they first opened. Um, you know, I believe in my first class, uh, uh, David Harris was a student in my, oh, yeah. in my class, in my very first level one class. Uh, and he was and he was funny even in that class. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, um the, uh, you know, but at the beginning, you know, so small. It's like the classes were all taught out of the theater. Yeah. <laughs> at the time. And, uh, yeah, you know, we could, um, I had keys to the theater back then because I taught there. And so I would, you know, I could go hang out at the theater after, at the end of the night, you know, just by myself. Or <laughs> It was just different times, you know, yeah. it was a lot chiller. Uh, but it built up so quick. Like, I could not, I don't think anybody thought it was going to build up as quickly as it did. You know, one of the, one of the big things that really helped is that, uh, the death, the comedy death ray show, oh, yeah. which had been at the M bar, uh, came to UCB. Was it at the M bar? Yeah, I think so. Uh, came to UCB and, uh, that just brought a lot of, a lot of comedy people to the theater you know, it sort of like showed people that it was there and uh, in the city, and so I think that really helped out. Even though that we, even though we weren't necessarily a stand-up theater, yeah, it just it, it helped kind of yeah. be like, oh, this is a legit comedy place. Yeah, in people LA. appreciate audi- uh, comedy and got an audience to come yeah. check out this new thing. Um, but yeah, that was great. And I, uh, you know, at UCB, I was on a team called Coffee is for Closers, which is the first team in the at the UCB LA. Mostly uh, instructors, huh? Mostly instructors. It was all people who taught, yeah, 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 you know, and uh, so it was all, all the teachers, all the first sets of teachers, and then, and then Seth, who was the artistic director and a teacher at the time. Yeah. Um, and did that for, for a while uh, until we got enough teams trained up, then we could, then we could stop doing that. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, that was a good time. And then uh, a little bit, uh, I think... After Coffee is for Closers, I started working on a sketch comedy show and just sort of 
dilly-dallying around town. But in the meantime, um, my friend Jordan Peel and Nicole Parker and a guy named Ike Barinholtz and a guy named Josh Myers had all worked at Mad TV. Mm-hmm. These are all people who did Boom Chicago. Uh, and so when Mad TV started hiring writers, I was able to get my packet in through them and okay. sort of... They handed my packet in, even though I didn't have a, a manager, an agent. Uh, I got I got to get people to look at. I uh, got them to sort of bring me in, basically. Uh, and so I went in one. The first time I went in, I did not get hired. Um, I wrote a packet. I had a meeting, uh, and then did not get hired. And then the next year, when they when they did some new hires, I did. Yeah. What what I guess what changed in that year, or like. Did you have an idea of like, oh yeah, it's clear why I did not get this job? Or <laughs> no, uh, man, no. I, just I like, didn't know why I didn't get that way job. Off base. <laughs> I think they did. No, I think they were wrong. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I should have gotten that job. And that's why they should have no given it to me right? then. Uh, but uh, <laughs> you know, I probably was uh, less nervous. You know, maybe if anything, I was just kind of. I know that first year a little bit. Just you know, I don't know. From my point of view, the you know my work was good, and I knew so many people on that show that there was no reason that they shouldn't hire me. Sure, uh, but you know you kind of have to think that way. Teflon, you know, I mean, <laughs> wasn't my fault; it was their fault. I like that. That's good. <laughs> I'm trying to work on that, not uh, getting uh, so. Listen to more rap music. Rap music will do it. Yeah. All right, I can do that. <laughs> I can definitely do that. I also, I mean, I also feel like that's probably like a Boom Chicago thing too, and, and that like you do so many shows, each little thing seems like it would become less precious. You know what I mean? Like I, I remember like when I started when I started doing shows, uh, like I couldn't eat like for hours before the show because I'm like the thought of just eating would make it so like nerve wracking to wow. me that I might throw up and like. And that, you know, now you're doing a couple shows a week, and it's just like, whatever. Like, I don't, and that don't get me laughs. Like, well, fuck them. They don't know what they're doing. They <laughs> I'm doing yeah. great work. And, you know, uh, but yeah, I imagine, I imagine doing a lot even amplifies that even more. Oh, for sure. You know, um, you know the, the thing about your best improv comedy show and your worst improv comedy show is that they're both over, you know, they're done. So, you know, they, they, you know, even though in the moment, you know, may feel good or whatever, eventually they're done and you can go do another one. So, you know, if you do a really good one, you can, the next one could suck or the next one could be even better. If you do a bad one, the next one most likely will probably be better. Uh, could suck too. And then maybe you should start taking a look at what you're doing with your life. But, <laughs> yeah, you know, but there is a, a an element to, you know, you have to be. A little crazy and you have to you know you have to care about it but then you have to not care about it yeah you know you definitely have to be committed to it but you know because of the nature of it you have to also sort of let it go and realize that you you know um there's uh there's a quote from um this singer that goes uh life is something that you can't control when you try to hold on to it it makes you let go uh, and, it, you know, improv's a lot like that. Yeah. It's sort of like you can't control it, really. You know, the whole point of it is that you're not in control of it. You just have to kind of live in it. Uh, sometimes it's good. Sometimes it's bad. But as long as it is, then you're good. As long as you can be happy that it's doing it, mm-hmm. you know, your failure could be your success down the road. Yeah, I think that, I, well, I think that's something that you see people right, do. Mason Jennings, by the way, is the singer who came with the quote. Uh, Mason Jennings, there we go. Uh, download all of his music from iTunes. And, sure. Or I don't know. <laughs> uh, 
But I think that, yeah, I think that sometimes you see people who have trouble, like, letting it go. Like, I, I remember I had a, a buddy in, like, one of my, maybe, like, a 301 class, and he was like, dude, we got to write up that scene. It was so good that we didn't, like, you just kind of hold on. Like, you hear that a lot. Like, we got to write up that scene. It was so good. That's a good idea, though. You no, write, write no. up scenes? Sure. I yeah. mean, yeah, that's the whole point of it, really. You know, that's how the, you know, a lot of those guys uh, wrote all their shows. Uh, but I think I know what you mean. You don't want to obsess over it too much. And you probably were always going to lose something in that scene, you know, yeah. when you write up that improv scene. There's something that's just not as funny about it, and it's because it's not spontaneous. But. Right. Yeah, I think I think that's the, the like the trick or the, the weird thing about improv is that good, good improv should seem so good that it's like written like sketch, and good sketch should feel so like nice and loose that it's like feels like improv. Exactly. Uh, and I feel like when you're trying to transpose one onto the other, like it's the same if like coming into a scene with like I know how I'm going to play this game, and it just doesn't work that way. Or, you know, it goes vice versa. If you come in trying, like, oh, this improv thing was so great because mm -hmm. you try to write it down, it doesn't exactly work. But you have, I feel like you might have uh, some interesting insights since you wrote for Mad TV and you did improv at the same time. Uh, the sketch and improv crossover and how that kind of, uh, it, one influences the other, I guess, while that's happening simultaneously. Oh, that was so Okay. Cool uh, well, for me personally, how they influence each other as a writer, it helps me because I can improvise scenes in my head, you know. Um, you know, if I'm writing a scene and, you know, I'm trying to imagine it, uh, it's because I'm an improviser, it's a little easier for me to imagine scenes sort of being acted out, you know, uh, as far as, tr you know, making that sort of crossover, like, oh, I have this really funny improv scene. Now I want to make it a sketch. You know, one thing that, you know, and you kind of already said is that you have to know that the biggest barrier between those two things is that the improv one has spontaneity to it. So any of sort of that like surprising, I can't believe he actually said that or what a witty retort, those sort of things aren't going to like play so much as well in the in the written one. But, you know, the whole pro uh, the process of that is figuring out, OK, well, what was really funny about that scene? You know, and that's why at UCB, you know, we stress the game so much because it does become a very writer's, you know, improv when you start playing from the point of view of the game and not, you know, being like, oh, but. I want to write it, man. That doctor, he was so crazy, man. I'm just going to write this crazy doctor sketch. But it's like, well, wait, what was the other person in the scene doing? You know, was the doctor, you know, was the other person in the scene like setting the doctor up to do more surgeries, even though they were crazy? You know, do we have that in the sketch? Are we, are we missing that part? Uh, and so, you know, they definitely go hand in hand. And, you know, there's definitely is a process of, by which you can take one you know, not necessarily the, the sketch to the improv. That would be kind of weird, but it could be fun. You know, one fun thing to do is if you have a sketch that's really, like, written out and, you re you know, you rehearse it and you're staying on book is to then throw the sketch away and then go, all right, let's improvise through that sketch yeah. and just see where we get. And so, that you know, they could both influence each other. Um, but, yeah, the, you know, they – but then there's also – but there's tons of processes to get to sketch comedy because some – some writers don't perform at all, and they know nothing about improv, but they're still really good sketch writers. Yeah. Um, it, you know, it all comes down to uh, personal preference and what your process is. Yeah. Uh, Heather, Heather has a class. Uh, Heather Campbell has a class about, like, yeah, improving and sketch. And, yeah, you know, <laughs> you said that with, like, this weird contempt. Is there something between you and Heather? No, nah, nah, she's cool. Whatever. <laughs> 
Oh man. Uh, yeah, it's about about that. And uh, uh, so, if you want to learn more, maybe talk to her. But um, but I want to talk to you. Uh, you you were like you were actually my my first improv coach and um, for my first team. And we uh, we it was I, I I just remember finding it interesting uh, how you approached it. Uh, and so. How do you approach like newer improv teams? Because like you, you did a lot of coaching, and I, I assume you still do a little bit, or are you mostly doing the Herald Clinic now? Well, I mostly just do my clinic now. Yeah. Uh, I coach every now and then. Um, you, so you're asking like, what do I, what, what do I, what have I noticed in new teams? Well, I, I would just wonder, I... like, yeah, yeah, what have you noticed in new teams? What's your approach to it? Because um, I remember thinking after going to you know other coaches and stuff, uh, I remember <coughs> thinking like, oh, these guys have a different approach than Colton and I don't know that it's <laughs> better or because like really like we, we were like what would we you how would you describe my approach maybe if you well, can give me okay. like an adjective so, I can so like, so it's like why. the post the post 401 trauma of like we've been doing heralds and like I guess we'll keep doing heralds we don't really know what to do mm-hmm. you like I, you literally were like let's try this form and you kind of like helped us make up one and you're like I think you guys should do something like this and like this is what and it was it was uh, okay. really good. like a lot of direction just out of for us, like we we like we know how to do a herald, kinda like that. Yeah. Was, that was basically all of us. Well, yeah, you know, um, there's a little bit of a herald shell shock that you get with a lot of like practice groups that come out of either UCB or IO. Yeah. You know, anytime there's a group, you know, people are all working on that form, and uh, so yeah, with when especially when a practice group comes to me, uh, the first thing I ask them is what form do they want to do. About ninety percent of the time, they don't know what they want to do. <laughs> yeah, that was um, and so then it's kind of just trying to find like a form that can get them loose and playing with each other because that's the most important thing about a group that's going to work together is that they have to enjoy each other. Um, a lot of people come out of the classes; they're sort of still in that sort of student mentality, and they get a practice group together, and then they want to go to the, the to the practice group. But they're almost approaching it as if it's a sort of a continuation of a class. And a practice group shouldn't be that. You know, a practice group is when, okay, I've taken the class. Now I'm going to go be an improviser. I'm going to go do it. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, I feel like when you kind of come in there and you've got, you know, all your classes that you've taken and you know this X, Y, and Z about the Herald and that's how you're going to do it. And then you get this practice group and then somebody doesn't follow that X, Y, and Z and you know, I don't know if I can work with this person. And it's like all this stress. Relax a little bit. Just improvise together. Just do some scenes together first. See if there's a form out there that you really want to do. Uh, you know, if you want to do the Herald, then I think the most important thing to do is just to get out and do it. Sign up for shows and perform it. Uh, you know, if you you know continue, you know, if you think about it, that's each class is eight weeks, right? And so you have. You know, say you do two classes, level one, level two, 16 weeks straight, working on trying to find the game of a scene and then do a second beat of it. And then you go to a practice group and it's not even fun. You know, like I've, I've taught a lot of practice groups where it's like half the people. I'm like, these people aren't even having fun. Like it yeah. looks like it's like it's, it's you know, it's work. it's work and they should be working on it again. You should be. You should have that work ethic to get to it, but it's got to be fun. You know, for me, it's always been fun. And that's why I feel like I I can succeed at it. And when I see people who are succeeding at it, it's because they're having fun. Um, But, you know, then you'll see people who can kind of just like, 
get so wrapped up into it and, it and it ceases to be fun or even beneficial for them to do it. You know, it's almost like they're just doing it at, you know, it's a, uh, you know, it's like watching a gambler, you know, like not walk away from the, the table and they're like, just keep putting in more money and, you know, more time and there's no, no joy in it. Yeah. You, uh, you, when I watch you improvise, you always seem like you're having fun. Uh, mm-hmm. And I think that's, uh, yeah, I think you're absolutely right. That fun is a huge part of it. Uh, and, uh, that gambler thing totally struck me because I know that I have uh, an addictive personality just in general. Uh, and I'm like, oh, okay, I'm totally the guy who's addicted and won't walk away from the table. Um, <laughs> I mean, has there, <laughs> has there ever been a, I mean, has there ever been a thing for you? I mean, you said it's always fun. Is if you ever had like a, anything that's not that like this is work i'm trying hard it's it's not as fun as it once was is there a way to get out of that help me you mean like help me you mean in in improv yeah uh well yeah you know uh i think my second herald team um started to not be fun you know in new york uh i wasn't enjoying it um i wasn't really gelling with uh, other people in the group uh and so I just left. Yeah. I just stopped doing it. Um, you know, I'm good at that. <laughs> I've always been good at not doing things when they don't, when they cease to be fun, uh-huh. uh, good or bad. Um, you know, another thing, you know, another time when I did it was probably with stand up, sort of the same kind of thing. I did a lot, I tried to do a lot of stand up in New York and it was okay, but at the end of the day, I just wasn't having fun. I wasn't getting like joy out of it. And so uh, I, you know, I stepped away from it. Uh, but in doing that, it didn't mean that I stopped doing comedy. It didn't mean that I stopped doing improv. It just meant that I took a break from that particular thing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think any time when you feel like you're just throwing punches at the fences, you know, it's okay just to take a break from it. Uh, you know, and the key is, is that, you know, that's the tough thing, but if you're, if you're funny, then you should keep going with it, even if it gets tough. Uh, the hard part is knowing whether or not you're funny. Um, but you know, hopefully if you can get up on stage and you can hear the reactions from crowds and stuff, you should probably be able to get a good, uh, a good read on that. But even if that's, you know, but even if you could still be funny and not be in a practice group, you know, sure. uh, you know, but it has to be positive. You have to be getting something positive out of it, uh, at least for me. You know, some people, you know, some people are wired differently. Some people will do something that they hate over and over and over again, and all of a sudden they love it, and, you know, they probably have stuck with it longer than I would have. <laughs> but, you know, they, but it works out. You know, everybody, you know, again, everybody has sort of a different process, uh, and this is the one that works for me. Sure. You, as you said this kind of twice now, uh, in that, like, if you're not funny, maybe you shouldn't be doing it. And I mean, and I don't disagree with that, but how, I mean, how is it, how is that something that you know, or, I mean, cause like, I, I feel like, and, it, it, <laughs> and you know, I'm not trying to put you on the spot completely on this one. This is a little no, it's bit a more tough. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a tough one to know, right? Because I mean, I don't, I think it's hard for people to even know themselves, especially comedically. Like I, I, 
like I don't think every like I have a guy on one of my teams who just I, he he has this funny thing about and I don't think he know like I wonder if he knows why he's that funny like why this th- one thing that he does is always funny and it always carries through uh, and I, I I had Eugene Cordero on and I mentioned something about he's like I, I guess I didn't really think that I did this but yeah I guess I do so I think it's hard to know yourself uh, just in general but like as a comedian too so I mean how I mean how would you even begin to approach that like am I funny am I doing this should I should I hang in there. I mean, because you know. At the I end mean, of the, day, the 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 default answer is always yes. Sure. You know, I mean, the default you know the default answer is always yes. Uh, what I would say is, if you get kicked out of every practice group that you're in, <laughs> if you know every time you get up on stage you do a scene, there are never any laughs. You know, if. You're in a class and the teachers just stop giving you notes. <laughs> and you're and it's not because you're just killing out there. Sure. You know, <laughs> I, I don't know. Then maybe you have to read into it. But again, you know, I I would never, you know, that for me I can say, yeah, you know, if you're not if it's if you're just not funny, you need to get out, but it would never be my personal opinion of if you're funny. I you know, like I would never like have a class and like watch somebody and maybe by the end you know I've had classes where by the end I'm like that person's not that funny yeah. but I would never be like you gotta quit yeah because that's up to the individual and you know I've, I've seen people who I thought weren't funny and I was like this person's never gonna get it and then you know years later you know well all of a sudden oh look they're starting to get it yeah you know and they're starting to you know tap into Okay, now that they're more comfortable, oh, their their humor is coming out. Right. Um, so you know, it's more that uh, you know, it, it's tough, and it's probably one of the most you know mistaken things is that people think that they are funny, but you know, that's you know that again, it's you just have to know. You know, I know that. You know, I can't. You know, if I was to like get up on stage and start doing an interpretive dance. I could hear by the response that people didn't like it, but if I really wanted to do interpretive dance, I don't know. Would I listen to that? I don't, I don't know. Maybe yeah. you know. Would uh-huh. I just judge the audience? So yeah, it's a tough it's a tough note to give. If you're not funny, get out of the game. But it's it's more of a true thing, and it's more of a, a challenge that I give to everyone for themselves, as opposed to like. Yeah, ult- I mean, ultimately, that has. I think that is a self a self reflective decision and choice. Uh, but I just kind of wondered what your your thoughts on it were, because like, and I and I joke around and I say this a lot, but like I I say that I hate certain improvisers just because they're so good and they remind me. Like I kind of feel like I don't know that I can I don't know that I'm going to get to the point where I'm doing stuff like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> uh, and so I don't know. What, I don't know that. <laughs> yeah. Well. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. You definitely should covet people who are good. That's part of being an improviser. Is at a certain point you start seeing other people, you know, you know, I'm sure there's, there's people who see me perform and they'll just be like, he just laughs constantly. He's constantly laughing at him. And, yeah, it's, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you know, that's what I do. You know, that's me. Yeah. That's how, you know, and, uh, uh, I'm fine with it cause I'm enjoying myself, but I'm sure there's people who are like, fuck that guy. Yeah. You know, but, but they're not comfortable in them, themselves or, or just at that place where they're confident enough to, uh, you know, but that's part of the process too. You gotta hate people who are doing what you want to do. Yeah, that's. I mean, yeah, that's definitely a swing of just being uh, like overly. I think it's like right, maybe right after four hundred one, and you're getting into it. It's like uh, 
that person broke and sort of ruined the scene and nobody called them out on that they were laughing and for me personally it ruined the reality mm-hmm. of the doctor removing a throttle from the man's chest yeah, so. see and then you're already you're starting to take comedy you know, you take comedy too seriously it's going to bite you in the you know it's uh, that's why it's like for actors it's the act, uh, actors can take their craft so seriously and it you know i don't know if it really helps them but it, it, there's no reason. There's never any sort of mirror up to it. But the problem with comedy is that as soon as you start taking it too seriously, you're doing comedy. So now you've become a joke. Yeah. Now you're taking it too seriously. There you go. And that's why this podcast is all a joke. It's too serious. Um, <laughs> so the Harold the Harold Clinic. Uh, you, you're just starting this one up uh, with uh, Nerdist Nerd Melt Meltdown mm-hmm. Comics. Mm-hmm. Someone. Uh, and you've been doing that, uh, but you've, you've been doing them before. Uh, I don't know, tell me a little about the, uh, that. I, the I, Herald Clinics? Yeah. Uh, well, the Herald <clears throat> Clinics are they're sort of something that I've been developing for a number of years at just teaching workshops out of uh, here at my uh, my place. Um, but sort of like what I was talking about before the the idea of repetition and um, you know that if you can kind of do something sort of over and over again, you know, a couple days in a row, that it'll sink in a little bit more than if you go in like once a week. And then you have a week off, and then you go back in, and then you have like four other practice groups, and then you have four other coaches, and then you come back in. You know, it's just sort of a focused way of doing it. Um, and so the way it works is that I, you know, I, I create whatever sessions. This month, the sessions are 12 to 2 and 6 to 8. And people pay a fat, flat rate, and they can just come to any of those sessions, you know, in that three weeks. And then at the end of the three weeks, we do a show at Meltdown Comics. Um, Sometimes I'll have guest teachers come in uh, for a session and sit in and uh, and uh, teach uh, you know teach something from you know their world or whatever. Uh, but you know it's just a uh, it's you know from from being uh, working with a lot of practice groups. Uh, you know it, it for me it's a little bit easier to just get people who want to be focused in on you know working on something than. To sort of have an open-ended thing like a practice group, it's a little harder for me to, after you know, so after like the sixth month of coaching a practice group, it starts to kind of become like, well, what am I doing? Like, am yeah. I just taking money from these people? Like, is there do they have a plan? They don't have a plan, but you know, as a coach for a practice group, you're not really as invested to be the director and guide them, and they kind of so it's this weird thing. But when I have this like broke off intensive. I pick what I want it to do. I pick where I want it to end. It's going to end at this date. You know, by the time it ends, I hope that everybody has X, Y, and Z. Uh, You know, so like for this particular clinic, my focus is just really emotional reactions and making sure that people are emotionally reacting to things and not just sort of reacting to things with the funny answer. And even if it is the funny answer, try to find the emotion to attach to it. Sure. but it's just a, it's one for me, a way to sort of focus my teaching so it's just not open-ended, uh, you know, and, and, it's, and, and, for, I, and I feel for the people who sign up for it, it's a little bit more beneficial than just sort of a once-a-week uh, course or something. Sure. Yeah, that's, um, actually, you did that with our practice group in a way. I, I, I kind of, I, I got that impression, and it wasn't maybe stated so directly, but you were like, you're kind of like, ah, I don't know if you guys... We were like, oh, my availability is a little weird. We kind of, I think we all kind of agreed. We're like, you know what? We probably, probably Colton feels like we need to go fly. I don't know if that's how you feel. <laughs> you know I mean? Because yeah, there is, there's a point when you have to get like a real direction to it or a real like, 
uh, an end game because at a certain point, yeah, you're just you're doing the same thing. It's, you it's know. the difference between British television and American television. You know, British TV, <laughs> they write it, they write it, they know where it's going to end. Uh, sometimes their shows, their really good shows, are really really good. Some of the, they got bad shows too. American TV shows just kind of open ended. We never really know where they're going to go. Until they, you it's know, really really bad. Until it, until it, yeah, until somebody has to put it out of its fucking misery. You know, <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. There you go. So uh, you're fucking time traveling on an island, you know? It's uh Yeah. Um so now and <laughs> time trip is that a shot at Lost? I like Lost. Um and so now you're 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 doing the the, the key and peel thing, uh which I've I've seen some sketches from. I already fucking love it. Uh how I mean what's that that's what's that been like? Is that fun? Great, great. I love it. Uh great show. Uh worked on it with uh, two guys I worked with at Mad TV, Jordan Peel, Keegan Michael Key. Uh really awesome job. Um yeah, the other writers there uh, were uh, this guy named Alex Rubin, uh, Becky Drysdale, who Jordan and I were in uh, Boom Chicago with. Sure. Uh, and she uh, uh, is a is an improviser from New York and does a lot of you know does a, a, a very similar workshop out there as well. Um, and then uh, and then Charlie Sanders, who I actually grew up with. Charlie Sanders and I grew up in the same apartment building. Is that right? Uh, and uh, and we both wrote on uh, on on this show. So yeah, that starts the end of this month. Comedy Central, check it out. Key and Peel, it's going to be very fun. Uh, basically, it's a sketch show. We actually looked at a lot of British uh, sketch comedy. Really? Uh, while we were working on it. Uh, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. Well, well what's because uh, I one I don't know British uh, sketch shows, and, and two, and correct me if I'm wrong or offensive, but I thought this was a, a more uh, black themed show. <laughs> well, sure it is, right? But yeah, you know. <laughs> Yeah, well, it doesn't mean just because we looked at English shows doesn't mean that we're like writing no, no, yeah. <laughs> scenes about the Queen and stuff. Uh, That's what I was hoping for, damn it. No, it was more of a tonal thing, you know. Uh, a lot of sketch shows, you know, like one thing that we we you know like there, I think there might be one or two commercial parodies in the whole season. Okay. You know, uh, we tried not to do sort of like the usual. Sketch comedy stuff, the fake newscast, the you know all the things that you sort of like see in sketch comedy, and so it's it tends to a lot in a lot of ways be very uh, relationship based uh, sketches. Slice of life ish and slice feels- of life. You know, if you see that like that Mitchell and Webb look is a great uh, BBC sketch comedy show that you could check out. The Catherine Tate show is another really really good sketch comedy show. The Catherine Tate shows a lot like Portlandia, if you've ever seen that show. Um, but, um, you know, it's that idea that, you know, it doesn't always have to be like, check out this awesome impression that somebody can do. Yeah, it's not, it didn't seem super absurd. Like, I feel like that's one way to go with it, too, is super, like, big and broad or Not absurd. at all, you know. I mean, we have, like, <laughs> you know, we have some, like, really big stuff and wild stuff. I mean, it goes, it goes everywhere, and it, it's a really fun show. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think people will really like it. Cool. Uh, I'm excited to watch it. All right, so okay, so yeah, I guess the last uh, the last thing that I was in this is the the pearls of wisdom segment, and that is, uh, uh, would you share with me and the listening audience uh, something, maybe a, a note uh, that you've either received or maybe given that uh, uh, had like a, a, a as far as improv or just comedy in general that had like a, a, a big effect on you, something maybe that you remember thinking like, oh, this this actually makes a lot of sense, and this sort of mm. change maybe changes how I'm looking at what I'm doing. 
why do you guys always do that monkey walk? That was that a was note a- that I got. <laughs> I got that note from uh, Jason Wooten, uh, who was my uh, coach for comedy sports in high school league. And he was giving the note to me and Nick uh, because every time we did a scene, our character would have this like weird monkey walk. Every character would kind of yeah. have our you know our back, you know, our chest sticking out, our butt sticking up, and that's how every single character. Excellent. But I never, uh, yeah, like Adam Sandler, right? And so, uh, like, I never had noticed it uh, until he said it. And then I would, like, feel myself doing it. Like, I'd walk, start walking out into a scene, feel myself going into that body position. Yeah. And so I remember back then, that was sort of the first time where, that was sort of the first time, and then, you know, I, I kept having to sort of learn this lesson, you know, and still do. But it's just that, this le- that lesson of control uh, of the crazy, uh-huh. um, you know, because I have a lot of energy, and I want to get out there and be really big, but, you know, sort of controlling that energy. That's probably the biggest note that stuck out uh, for me. Uh, what's the deal with that monkey walk? Um, but I think the biggest note that I would like to leave uh, a word of wisdom on is uh, for improv okay. uh, is that an improviser should be somewhat of a dilettante. You know, an improviser should know uh, a little bit about a lot of stuff. Um, you know, I, uh, I'm in a group right now called uh, Rough Cut, where we do improvised oh, movies. Yeah. And uh, we, uh, as a group, have decided that we have to, you know, make sure that we're always, you know, we pick genres and we check out different genres. And the first few genres are real simple ones. You know, it was like, you know, sci-fi, alien invasion movies, uh, you know, political thriller. And, of course, I'm like, yeah, great, I'll watch all of these. But then we got to romantic comedies. Uh, not really, not really romantic comedies as much as like chick flick movies, like The Notebook stuff like that. It's a good movie. Well, I but I hate those movies. <laughs> I don't watch those movies. Um, I you know I would you, you cannot drag me to those movies. And now I was sitting there, you know, sort of stuck in this position where I have this you know extreme not want to ever watch those movies or spend any time or any of my energy taking in you know a sad story that has no aliens in it. <laughs> But on the other hand, as wanting to be a good, as good an improviser as I can be, I should just sit down and watch the movie. And as silly as that is, I don't think people really understand how often they close themselves off to experiences and how often they say, you know what, that's not my thing, or I don't do that. I'm not going you know, to do that. I'm not going to try that. I'm not going to go see that show. Uh, never do that. Never you know, do your best to fight and rage against that. Uh, in your in your life, uh, if you drink a lot, see what it's like not to drink. If you don't drink anything, go buy a beer and drink it by yourself. If you've never smoked weed, smoke a joint by yourself in your room. If you smoke weed all the time, don't smoke some weed. See what happens. Uh, you know, but let yourself be. Let yourself know that you can do or try anything. And not only is that going to give you good life experience, but it can help you out on stage someday. Yeah, that's awesome. Uh- Berg, Berg came on and said a very similar thing is so you need to be an observer of life to be a good improviser. Uh, and I would say, take it one step further, not only observe, but interact, interact. with everything you can. I like that. I, I'm so close to the end, but I really want to ask you real quick. Uh, it seems like you've been doing the movie for a while because one of the things, one of the earlier... Huh? One year we've been doing that. The rough cut is right. Rough cut's been together for a year, but I think I, I thought, I may be wrong on this, I thought I found uh, like something about you doing a movie at like in like 2000 and 
Martini Shot. That's it. Martini Shot. That was the first movie form group here in Los Angeles. Yeah. So you've been doing. I mean, so you've been doing the movie for a fair amount of time, right? Uh, well, the Martini Shot though was only around for like four months, I think, okay. before it kind of fell apart. Um, you know, again, that was sort of the early times of UCB, so we didn't have as many people. Um, and you know, I feel like that yeah, that group had like Wyatt Sinek on it, had like a, you know Jessica Chafin. Uh, it was a fun group. But it was also, you know, again, it was like right at the beginning of UCB, so we just ran a little thin. I think there was actually only six or seven people in the group. And then every time there was a show or a rehearsal, like four, four of those people had like an audition sure. or had to go shoot something. <laughs> well, is there, uh, is there any uh, – I think the movie is an interesting form because it feels uh, – one, it, one, it has a little bit to do with plot. It's not super hard on plot, but it also feels like, like a herald, but – Tougher because everybody sort of needs to be on the same idea of like where this this mm-hmm. ship is heading, uh, and I just I want I, I wonder if you can speak to maybe any challenges of it or something that you think about when doing that. Uh, well, yeah, that is the challenge of the movie, you know, and especially the 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 incarnation that we do, uh, which is a very specific form that um, you know that was sort of developed by uh, Del Close uh, when he was working with. Uh, some improvisers in in Chicago and kind of sort of continued on with Matt Besser uh, and, and sort of um, you know with with a feature feature in New York um, and and now with a rough cutout here uh, where we you know it is there we're, we're really trying not to follow the plot you know uh, it's that idea that the plot is just there it's gonna happen the movie has to end you know that the hero is going to get the girl, depending on the genre of film. But that's sort of the bigger choice is that with the mo- when we're doing the movie, the bigger things, other than thinking about the plot, we go, okay, what's the genre? We have to nail that down. And then it's trying to find games to play within those scenes that are born out of the genre, not because of the genre. So it's not like in, like in, in a parody movie where... You know, the guy, you know, the film noir guy is smoking a cigarette and he just keeps smoking cigarettes because in film noir movies they smoke cigarettes and that's silly. Hmm. You know, as opposed to that, we're trying to get like, you know, may, you know, maybe he gets lung cancer or something in the in the film noir that we do. Like it's more of a finding the game that kind of is born out of it, not making fun of the genre, uh-huh. but finding the fun that's in that genre. And so that, that that's really more of the challenge. And, you know, for as far as the plot goes, what we really try to do is just that's the time. You know, we pick a, a certain genre, you know, all right, we, we, you know, the next scene, we just have to have moved the plot along somehow. But we try our best not to be too focused on that and really try to find uh, find those games, those genre based games that uh, that kind of come up organically through the scene work. Gotcha. Um, and uh, and the last thing, I, you, you, I feel like you're a, a very much a driver. When I, I feel like when I see you guys do rough cut, is that something that you're conscious of, or sure. has just kind of fallen upon you, or? What, uh, what well, yeah, you know, definitely um, uh, that can happen. Uh, you know, Nick Weiger, also very much so in that show. Um, you know, part of that I say one part of that is uh, you know maybe. Oh yeah, we you're definitely driving a little bit, uh, and the other half of it is just the excitement of it. I know that we just love the form so much. Yeah, but um, but it's a it, you know it's one of those forms that you know we you know and as a, as a group as everybody learns it you know everybody gets more aggressive with it. 
uh, you know, in the hopes that, you know, soon that that is, you know, is sort of less obvious, you know, I, I, but I think, you know, with a form, you know, somewhat like that, you know, you always have sort of three people in there who are like really probably pushing or more on board with what the story is uh, than than everybody else. But the goal is to ultimately let it drive itself. Yeah. Cool. Um, all right. Well, I guess that's it. Uh, is there anything that you want to plug or share? I mean, obviously you got Key and Peel coming up January 31st. Everybody should watch that. Uh, and maybe check out Rough Cut at uh, UCB. Uh, look for us on the Tuesday night shows uh, on the website. Uh, we're up tomorrow. Um, what what, uh, what genre are you doing? Uh, this month, I believe we're going to do Freeform this oh, month. Cool. Uh, and then you might be seeing us doing the, uh, the uh, Human Mosaic uh, uh, a few times, which is uh, like movies like New Year's Eve or oh, cool. Love Actually. Just sort of those like <laughs> large ensemble yeah, romantic yeah, yeah. Uh, movies. Um, yeah, check out Key and Peele. Uh, definitely check out the clinic if you get a chance. Uh, the next one will be starting next month. Uh, if you'd like to sit in this month and come check one out, uh, if you email me and mention this podcast, you can sit in uh, for free on a clinic this month. How about that? There you go. That's awesome. Uh, and then, uh, and also, you can probably get information about future ones on your website. Uh, of course, yeah, coltondone.com. Check it out. Doing it through WordPress, it'll be updated daily. I saw that. It looks it looks very nice. Thanks, Thanks man. Uh, all right, I guess that's it. Colton, thank you so much. No problem. Thank you. Improv. <laughs> Improv. Hey, wasn't that awesome? I wanted to just share a couple of quick show dates with you. You can see Rough Cut, which is Colton's team, as well as previous guest Monica Smith, today, Wednesday, January 11th at Room 101 around 945. Also, if you want, you can see me perform with The Smackaroos Thursday, January 19th at 1030 at the iOS Loft with our hosts Roughneck. Also, you can see me with Echo 012 Friday, January 20th at 10 o'clock at the Neon Venus. And finally, you can see me with Flowers Saturday, January 21st at 9 o'clock at Second City Hollywood with our host Bro Squad 5. Hope to see you guys at a show sometime. Please subscribe, rate, comment, enjoy. And until next time, happy improvising. Hey, I'm, I'm Ben. Jeff I'm Ben. I'm Jeff. Uh, no, I'm, I'm <sighs> Ben. Just, just do, do the, it. Just do okay, the I'm thing. Okay, so, I'm sorry. Uh, hey, this is Ben, Jeff, and Thayer, and we host a podcast called Convince Me, where we have guests on to try to convince us to get on board with their unique obsessions. Check out our I'm podcast. Thayer. It's called Convince Me. I'm Jeff. <laughs>